my nightmare. Every town has an Elm Street. Let's get home. Come to Freddy. We need you, Jesse. We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. This is God. Told ya, comic books was bad for ya. Danny, better not dream and drive. Nice hearing from ya, Carlos Stark. I don't believe this fairy tale. What's wrong, Joe? Getting tongue-tied. <laughs> Of the children. Give me strength. You are all my children now. Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff. And I'm Leanne. And we're going to be continuing on our Nightmare on Elm Street series retrospective. We're going to get to. I'm excited! (laughs) We're going to get to part five The Dream Child. But first. We gotta talk. We gotta have a little conversation. I have a song stuck in my head, Jeff. What song is stuck in your head? You say you like my hat. My hat! <laughs> Would there be a reason for that? <laughs> so, you know how we mentioned on the previous episode that I was on that I kind of have a thing for s- ceiling fan heads? Yes. Yeah, I created a TikTok account. Where um, <laughs> I, I find people with ceiling fans behind their head, and then I do like an AI art version of them to make it look like they're wearing a hat. And so far, I the only song I've used for every single one of the videos is, You say you like my hat. My, my hat! hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty clever, though, but I mean, it's it's... One thing, what else, unless you find another song about hats. True. So if you're interested in uh, AI art and ceiling fans, uh, <laughs> look up on TikTok, uh, hashtag ceiling fan head. You're welcome. We'll put it in the show notes, that way you know what hashtag to look for. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the dumbest thing ever, but it, it, it occupies my time. It makes you happy, right? Sh- sure. Yeah. It makes me feel like I have a purpose. Yeah. You get a chuckle out of it, I'm sure, and then also wondering what the hell the AI was thinking and some of the stuff it creates. Well, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I'm noticing that AI art is racist. Hmm. It does not like black people or any person of color. Gee, and that wouldn't have anything to do with the programmers (laughs) behind the AI, would it? So now I kind of find it to be my mission to do my best AI art for black content creators. Make sure that AI art is representing yes. those who have been horribly not included. <laughs> horribly wronged. Jesus. Yeah, I can't even say, like, what one of the ones I did was this larger, dark gentleman. And, yeah, it, it insisted on giving him body hair everywhere. And I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? Wow. So I couldn't even do that person. I couldn't even do that creator because it was insisting. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> so if any of you out there are behind any of these AI art apps or you're programming AI to do this stuff, be inclusive. Right? Be better. If I say a black man, maybe make his skin color anything other than white. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You were telling me there was a series you recently watched that you wanted to bring up. Well, I did get a code for uh, Apple TV. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of it. And the first show I started watching, and I've watched all the way through, is called The Shrink Next Door. Are you Marty? Yeah. What brings you here? I don't know. Phyllis made me come. My sister. Huh? She must be very persuasive. Don't tell me about yourself. I run a fabrics company. So you're the boss. That feel good? It feels... Phyllis has always been the strong one. You're a grown man hiding behind a wall of curtains. I think I can help you. The first thing I'm going to do is completely unethical. I'm going to give you a hug. I'm a hugger. There's no shame in feeling pain, Marty. Be the ruler of your own domain. Work begins at 9 a.m. sharp. Phyllis! I'm trying to be ruler of my own domain. This therapy is really working out, huh? It is. It really is. The goal of life is to live. We'll turn you into the man you truly deserve to be. This doctor's a little unconventional. He's a miracle worker. What is he doing here? Helping us, what do you think? So much fun. Is that allowed? Well, I didn't work, did I? He's changed my life. He's changed me. You clearly have a good eye. Me? You're the one with the good eye. Eyes. Two eyes. The, the, the appropriate quota of ocular spheres. <laughs> Why are we running? I don't know, Rod! You are growing, Marty! <laughs> Is he your psychiatrist? Psychiatrist, business partner, best friend. How does all of that work? He just has no boundaries, and I don't trust him. Cut her out of your life. She's the only family I have. Without trust, we have nothing. I trust you completely. This is my decision. He's living in your head. I am going to take care of everything. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Huh. The sh okay. I have not heard of that one. Yeah, so it's inspired by the true story of Marty and the therapist who turned his life around and then took it over. When he first meets Dr. Ike, Marty just wants to get better at boundaries. He learns all about them and what happens when they get crossed. Ooh. Now, let me tell you the cast. Will Ferrell. Okay. Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Catherine Hahn. So far, so good. And for all the people that love Paul Rudd and think he is just so awesome. He's and my boyfriend. Oh, my God. Charismatic. And everyone loves him, right? He is awful in this show. He's a great actor. Phenomenal actor. I 
hated his character so much from the very beginning. He is very unlikable. Nice. Oh, I I like when Paul Rudd gets to step away from and I think he's naturally just kind of a goofy guy anyway, but he's a Shakespearean trained actor. So when he gets to show off his chops and is like, oh, you need me to be an unlikable POS? I can do that. And plus, I I really appreciate that the characters were Jewish. And so Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell get to play Jewish characters. Okay. And Will Ferrell is really great in it. I really like it. He's very likable. You want to stand up for him. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Now, when we were talking about it, I was thinking maybe I heard that title. Does it have to do with someone keeping someone hostage at some point? No. Okay. Then I'm thinking of something else, possibly. No. This is a true crime thing. Okay. Where this was a real therapist slash psychiatrist slash doctor slash entrepreneur slash... Um, he he basically stole people's money and like convinced them to uh, leave their families behind, and he Holy took sh- over their lives. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you were saying all the slash, that you're gonna say slash podcasters slash vloggers <laughs> slash this. No. Hey, don't come into my sphere, man. No. <laughs> no, but it sounds really interesting. It's got a really good cast. I I'll have to check it out. Yeah, and then Catherine Hahn is like, I, I love her. And I think it's funny because in the movie she's in, uh, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, mm-hmm. she plays a character who pretends to be a therapist. Oh, okay. okay. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a while, so it took me a second to remember. It's one of my guilty pleasures. You don't have to be guilty about it. It's just one of your pleasures. You like to put it on every now and then. I'm not a huge romantic comedy person, but I think it's funny. There's a couple you, every once in a while, you like to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's great. Anything I've seen her in, she's been awesome. I don't think there's been a bad performance from Katherine Hahn. Uh, She's really good in the Marvel Disney Plus series WandaVision, too. Plays a wacky neighbor, and then there's a turn where you're like, oh... Oh, you're not the wacky neighbor. Okay. Yeah, it's a little... Mm. It's Disney, so it's not... Okay, I say this, and yet we all know Disney is fucking dark as shit. But this isn't like horror dark. This is like comic book, superhero, supervillain dark. So... Got it. Take that as you will. Mm -hmm. So do you got it? Is there anything else you've been watching or doing or... Well, I have been continuing on the Netflix games. Oh, really? I've been playing a game called Cats and Soup. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically coin farming, but they make soup. And it's cats that you can dress up in little outfits. So the more coins you get, like, the more things you unlock or... Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's one of those type of games. Like, you have to... Basically just mining coins and the... This yeah. is the one you showed me where, like, the cats are on, like, trampolines and... <laughs> well, they have to relax. They have their downtime. So one station is a trampoline station. Another one is um, a, a little palm tree with a radio where they sit and listen to the radio. 
Another one is a couch with a TV. Okay. Because it's Netflix and chill. Makes sense. It's kind of cute because they reach over and eat popcorn, but they're angled kind of lazily. like <laughs> They're watching TV <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> like we all do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Well, I recently... Well, I'll talk about something I watched, and then I got something else to talk about. Mm. So I recently watched a movie from 1994 called Tammy and the T-Rex. The reason I watched it was on Shudder. It was one of the Joe Bob things from a couple years ago. I was like, okay, fine. I'll fucking watch this movie. I heard people, you know, talking about, oh my god, it's finally there, and it's the uncut version. Because apparently this movie was released heavily edited for a PG-13 family movie release and it tanked. Then someone in Italy found the uncut version and released it and then Vinegar Syndrome found the, got hold of the uncut version and it's on Shudder. This movie's not good. Uh, it's, it's dumb. It stars a young Denise Richards and a young Paul Walker. They were 23 and 21 and dating at the time of this movie. But... Ooh, ooh. I don't know. Joe was like, this is fun. I don't know anyone who doesn't like this movie. I'm like, I might be the only person. So I heard people going, oh, this one's fun. I'm like, it could be fun to have a bunch of friends over and just trash it. This is bad. I mean, some of the acting is fine. Joe Bob was saying it's probably Denise Richards' best work. Possibly. Although, I mean, there's, there's not really a high bar for Denise Richards' acting. Right? I mean, I hate to say Honestly, it, but... Honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, wasn't she was in Wild Things, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she did good in Wild Things. She did good in Wild Things, and she had showed her tits. So, I mean, that's what everybody remembers, really. Apparently. You yeah. know it's a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. And there was Kevin Bacon dong as well. I uh, like the yeah. plot. Yeah. Okay, Wild Things is a good movie. I'm just saying, she didn't have... She was fine... But there's not there's not a like a stellar performance like standout. Oh my God, she deserves so many awards for this. Or like that was a breakout role for her. It was more like, oh hey, she's hot and showed her boobs. The movie overall, I was blown away when I first saw it in the theater because I didn't expect what was gonna happen. But this is not the Wild Things podcast. Yeah, Tammy and the T Rex was dumb. It was fun because I watched it with Joe Bob giving all the behind the scenes stuff, but. Ooh, it's it's not good. Hey, it's somebody's cup of tea, so whoever enjoys it, more power to you. It's not for me. It's not something we're going to cover on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was going to try and get through a movie called Gator Bait earlier from the 70s, but... I, I thought you were going to say Gator Bader, and I thought, is that a weird porn? Because <laughs> I would watch that. There probably is something out there <laughs> called Gator Bader. I mean... You might want to go into incognito mode <laughs> before you go Googling that because you never know what you're going to find. No way. I, I want everyone to know. It might be a true-to-life thing like, I'm the Louisiana Gator Beta. You, you, you never know. You never know. So there's not a whole lot else I've been doing. I've just been, you know, catching up on wrestling and stuff like that. But the one thing I want to talk about is I recently 
became the official co-host of another podcast. You've heard the gentleman on here before. His name is JB. He does Tales from the Podcast. I am now the, the new co-host with him on Tales from the Podcast. <laughs> hey, we have sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. We just did our first show with me officially as the host this past Saturday. Uh, technically yesterday at the time of this recording, so May the 6th. Yeah, so for people who aren't terribly familiar with that podcast, how does it work? Tales from the Podcast is typically a show that covers the series Tales from the Crypt from HBO. Uh, we'll also cover horror movies, possibly other anthology shows in the, in the future, as we are coming to the end of Series 7, which is the final series of Tales from the Crypt. From HBO. Sorry, my phone thought I said Siri, and I took a second to see what was happening. And it's also like it's a video, live video, right? It every is. Week. We, live video every Saturday. We stream at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, time subject to change depending on schedules and things like that. But yeah, uh, next Saturday, uh, which will be, what is that, the 13th? We will actually be doing The Ritual, the 2017 Netflix film, and oh. we will have uh, Cornelius Burroughs on with us as a guest. Oh. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. That does not mean Skewered Universe is going away. Or this, changing. Or changing. This is the first podcast I started. Uh, Leanne has been influential in that. We're sticking around. I can handle it, people. We're going to have two podcasts. They are... Completely two, they are two completely different styles of podcast. Yeah, they don't have uh, interstellar interstitials like us. Exactly, exactly. That's kind of our thing. Yeah. So you get me, you know, once a week live, every week, and then you'll also get skewered universe. And then during your lives, there's also chatting that people can do. Yeah, for tales from the podcast, when we go live, you guys can join us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. There's live chat. You know, you guys can talk to us. We'll put it up on the screen. It's like an interactive show. So you guys come over there. We'll hang out. You can hit us up there. You can go to Tales from the po Tales from the Podcast dot com. Find out more information there. While you're doing that, you can also email Skewered Universe at Skewered Universe Podcast at gmail dot com. Send us some stuff too. We want you to interact with us as well. Hit us up on those socials. You'll get all that information at the end of the show. And if you're new here, I'd like to say balls. And suck my dick. Yes, she you does. You don't like that, then suck my dick. Yeah, it's it's a big one, so you better either <laughs> not have a gag reflex or be really into to chugging on some cock. <laughs> chugging. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Yep, yep, just take it all. <laughs> just I'm going to call you Deep Throat Danny. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I've, I've podcasted many times. I mean, just to pull back the curtain a little bit. This past week, I have already recorded the Freddy's Dead episode, which comes out after this one with our friend Chuck. Saturday, I did my first official co-host gig with Tales from the Podcast, where I've joined up now. And now, today, Sunday, May the 7th, we are recording part five for The Dream Child. So, I have been podcasting a lot this week, so if I seem a little out of sorts, my brain might be going all over the place. But it's I'm, I'm having a good time, people. That's I'm what it's all about. Time. Exactly. We're having a conversation about movies. And speaking of movies, 
So, tonight, we're continuing on. Tonight, of all nights, we are going to discuss... In a world (laughs) where movie reviews are done pretty plainly and boring, (laughs) Skewered Universe comes in with interstellar interstitials. Interstellar interstitials. And you guys all know how that works. We gave you the rundown last week. You had our nice little English gentleman give you the breakdown. But tonight, continuing on our A-N-O-E-S retrospective series, we're doing A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child. His mother was a God-fearing woman. His birth was an unspeakable horror. Please don't let him do that! His life and death have been one incredible nightmare. (laughs) But now all that is going to change because Freddy wants to become a daddy. Want to make babies? What's wrong with me? You're just a little pregnant. Even if he has to adopt. No! Do unborn babies dream? When it comes to chills. It happened while I was awake. When it comes to screams. The party just start. When it comes to pure terror. Bone appetite. <laughs> no one delivers. Like Freddy. Better buckle up. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's a boy! When it comes to terror, remember, Freddy knows best. So this movie was directed by Stephen Hopkins and released in 1989. Have Do you think you've seen this one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember it, but don't again, it? Okay. I mean, nineteen eighty nine. I was nine years old. <laughs> that's you know what? I was born in nineteen eighty, so that's my right. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. I was ten years old. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you still have to do math. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every year that ends in a nine, I know I'm a zero age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I I've probably seen it. Okay. Kind of like the other one we watched. I've, I've seen it, but I don't remember it. That's why I like doing it this way, because I know typically the interstitials are done for movies either neither of us have seen or one of us hasn't seen. But when it's been so long and you only have seen maybe the TV version and it's there's bits and pieces just floating around your head, yeah. I find this a good way to bring it back. I, and I like that you say it, there's bits and pieces in my head, because I, I always try to remember, okay, which is the one where... Um, the, he has the tongue coming out of the phone. Which one is the one where it's the the meatball faces on the pizza? Mm-hmm. Which one has the oatmeal stairs? At a certain point, things start to run together. So you're like, oh yeah, I remember. You might somebody might bring up part four, and you're like, oh yeah, this happened. And they're like, no, that happened in part five actually, <laughs> or no, that came from Freddy's dead. And what else you're thinking of came from part one. After a while, all of Freddy's stuff, it's just like, it could have happened anywhere. Yeah. So. I'm excited to see this one again. Good. For reals. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We'll talk to you guys 
in just a few minutes. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. We've just watched 15 minutes of the movie. I want to give a quick quick synopsis here, just basic. So we're picking up about a year after the events of Part 4, The Dream Master. We see that Alice and Dan are very much still a couple, and we have a whole bunch of new friends that are just going to be cannon fodder for Freddy. I mean, it's almost like they forgot their friends were killed off in the last one, and they make a quick little mention about her having dreams, and like, it's just... I don't feel in control since the events of last time. Well, if you don't dream him up, he can't hurt us. Like, okay. Thanks for the advice. Who cares about our friends who were butchered and my brother who got killed? I love you, Dan. It's it's cheesy. Well, I love that the opening credits are chalk on a blackboard, but it isn't font. Mm -hmm. Because I I made sure to see, like, if it was a font they were using, and I, I don't think it was. So I like that little touch. Yeah. I'm not sure how it was done. I've never heard if it was, like, animated or if somebody, you know, did it by hand. I'm not sure how it was done, but it's it's an interesting opening title sequence. Yeah, and then it opens up with, like, bits of fleshy bodies intermingled. And then she hops in the shower, cue mandatory nude scene, which we always appreciate. The drain gets backed up. The water gets too hot. The shower breaks apart and fills up with water. By the way, I love naked women submerged in water. <laughs> like, I, like I mentioned in the previous episode, I would love a waterbed with a chick in it. That would be fantastic. And then she's all of a sudden she's walking down a wet, dingy hallway and sees people grouped together in like tattered clothing and they're mumbling. But now she's dressed as a nun while two dudes are doing like a body count. And then they all stop and kind of come toward her. She screams awake in her room and sees Freddy's bare face, only to realize she's alone. It's pretty intense. And then it just goes right to the next scene, which is graduation. So let's blow this pop stand! They're making party plans for the night and summer plans abroad. Mm -hmm. Someone in the background was wearing a dog cap with like flappy ears in the background (laughs) i thought that was pretty amusing (laughs) she wasn't sure her dad was gonna show up but he did um i'm not sure why so many parents were wearing baby blue but apparently that's a theme in the 80s i don't know it's it's weird like that powder blue like i thought that was a 70s thing but here (laughs) in 1989 and then they all take pictures And she comes upon a playground and sees little girls jumping rope, singing the Freddy song. All of a sudden, it's nighttime, and she's running through trees to find them. Um, The camera's circling around her, and she sees a nun running upstairs to a castle? 
It's supposed to be like a convent slash hospital for the asylum type place. As what you were seeing earlier in that dream where she was walking down the hall naked and then was dressed as a nun was basically her at the asylum being locked in a room with 100 maniacs. Mm. She was in the dream as Amanda Kruger. So the two orderlies were trying to take a head count of how many crazy people were down there milling about. And we see... Now, I still, to this day, I don't really know if it's actually Freddy or he's just one of the hundred maniacs in there, but we see Robert England sans Freddy makeup. Just a dingy, dirty version of Robert England, Very much playing it up to the camera when he shows up. He's just eyeballing the camera. Just staring it down like... It's Alice's point of view, but he's just right in the camera looking at you. It's like, okay, okay, Mr. England, I see what you're doing. But real quick, you gave it excellent where we're at. I love what you did there. Real quick, I want to touch on, we have Lisa Wilcox returning as Alice. Danny Hassel coming back as Dan. So those are our two main characters right there. As far as the new friends, we have Kelly Jo Minter as Yvonne. Erica Anderson as Greta, the aspiring model, according to her mother. We have Joe Seely as Mark, the sunglass-wearing, semi-bleached hair friend. You know, basically, here's new friends for Freddy to kill. Is And you get that right away. The, there's no depth to these characters. Just like, oh, your new friend's coming in. Okay. And of course... We have Robert England returning as Frederick Krueger. You can't have a Freddy movie without him in the 80s, baby. They tried. <laughs> they tried in part two, and it didn't work. Stuntman didn't know how to walk. No. So, so far, what's your what's your kind of feelings in this first part? Are you waiting well, to see where it goes? Okay, I... One of the reasons why I love the Freddy movies is because of, like, the dream world, the dreamscapes, mm -hmm. because I tend to have dreams, that, like, my whole life that are kind of like that. Okay. And so I'm like, I kind of feel at home. It's familiar. The weird visuals. Yeah, and... that the houses, the rooms, the hallways, and the fact that she's, like, dressed up as a nun when I was a kid. You know, when, when people ask you, what did you want to be when you were little? Mm-hmm. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a nun. Okay. I liked the outfits. Hey. hey. <laughs> Everyone's got something they want to be when they grow up. I couldn't even tell you. I think it ranged from fireman to policeman to actor at one point. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to be a nun. So this is like, it feels like home. Nice. All right. So are you ready to get back to it and see some more of this, uh, Nuntastic movie? Yes. Because there's, there's more nun stuff. That's <laughs> good. That <laughs> makes me happy. All right, we're going to continue on, guys. We'll talk to you in a bit. Hi, folks. I'm Rico. Oh, no, Joe. He's Peppy. See? You can find us at the concession stand in the lobby. Along with all sorts of other tasty goodies. See? Rico's Nachos, a refreshingly new and different snack discovery. Chock full of high-quality ingredients, crisp, fresh tortilla chips, covered with creamy-aged cheddar cheese, topped off with zesty jalapeno pepper rings. Rico's Nachos, 
out of sight. Remember, folks, we're the new star at the snack bar, Rico's Nachos, a new taste treat you can't beat. See? Rico's Nachos, on sale at the snack bar now. Another 15 minutes in. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't give you a warning there that we were coming back, did I? <laughs> <laughs> so apologies, but another 15 minutes in. What are you, What are your thoughts? I've seen this enough times. I know exactly what all the beats are. I want you to give us like the last time what you're what you're thinking so far. Well, because I haven't seen this since I was a kid, this is basically new to me. So I'm just giving my rundown of my point of view. Which I love. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, so we last left off with her running into the castle. Right. Or, to me, it's a castle, but whatever. Okay, so she walks down a dingy corridor. You can hear very faint singing. She sees a very odd, large, black baby stroller. Yeah, like like a pram from hell. Like There needed old... to be a little bit more of that, because that was... That was... A weird creation. I, I, anyway, all of a sudden she's being pushed on a stretcher and she's screaming. She's surrounded by doctors and nuns. She sees herself with them and now a different woman is on the stretcher and she's giving birth. One of the doctors says, holy shit, what is it? And <laughs> it's one of God's creatures. The little creature baby and everyone disappears, leaving the delivery room a mess. She walks into the chapel it's tattered and dingy, of course. She hears the creature baby running and hiding and grunting. Well, as baby Freddy is screaming, the place gets kind of uprooted and he grows into an adult. His feet looked weird. There was a point where it, like, he jumped or fell or something and mm -hmm. his feet were like weird. Yeah, he wasn't like fully formed yet. Like He was still like reforming and growing yeah. back into an adult version. Yeah, so then things get quiet, but you hear his blades scraping on the wall and you hear him laughing. It's a boy! <laughs> <laughs> so then a nun starts talking to Freddy, saying it's not gonna happen again. He says, we'll see, bitch! She says, look for me in the tower! And he says, you'll never find her! And then the next scene is the diner. Very quiet. All of a sudden, her co-worker startles her, and Alice becomes hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> we go right to the next scene, which, it, well, not scene, but different location, which is the high school pool party, where the friends are drinking and chit-chatting. Um, there's a dude that's drawing comics talking about Melissa Fasarekis. Some uh, ancient person who killed his kids didn't like what his kids were doing. He didn't like how they were running the kingdom or something. <laughs> something. And then he cuts his hand on a bottle. Alice calls Dan from the diner saying, Freddy's back and to come see her at the diner. So he takes the truck to go see her and the mu music is like very 80s action horror music. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. He hears his mom on the radio talking shit. And Freddy is like the radio announcer guy saying to kill the ungrateful brat. Well, he loses control of the truck. Freddy is now, now driving the truck and drinking. He pours the beer on himself and starts dissolving. Yeah, he pours the champagne on his shoulder to use his own arm as a seatbelt. Yeah, and uh, they crash back into the high school pool 
except there's no one there. And now the truck is locked. So he steals a motorcycle. Cue more silly 80s action music. Definitely. Um, wires start growing from his hands, and Freddy's face is now in the bike. And then more wires are growing throughout his entire body, and he's kind of turning into a weird creature. And you hear Freddy say, better not drink and drive, or better not dream and drive. <laughs> like, okay, shut up. And then Alice is still at the diner. She sees Dan getting sucked into this red hole in the wall, right? And she's like, oh no, something's happening. I better go outside. And she goes outside, sees a fiery crash. Dan is now Freddy. And Freddy says, hi, Alice, want to make babies? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you give us that rundown because it's exactly, that's, mwah. <laughs> but I love that you give us your little, like, what the hell? And like, things like that. <laughs> your way of doing it is, is beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. That sequence with Dan's transformation where Freddy's like possessing the bike and like morphing him into this like biomechanical I creation. I liked it. I really liked it. It's one of my favorite in the series. Unfortunately, it's also heavily cut down. I've seen little bits here and there where there's like longer sequences of like the skin being pulled and more blood and more wires going in. You know what? I, I'm realizing that a lot of stuff seems cut down that shouldn't be cut down. The 80s was a very difficult time for horror movies. The MPAA was so up on their high horse about how horror can corrupt the children and this and that and... Hey, newsflash, there's a number of other things out there corrupting children and causing them to do shit. Horror movies are the least of your fucking worries. Yeah, I wanted more of that, you know, creature on the bike. And I wanted mm -hmm. more of that really weird, intricate pram that it was large and black and kind of like... Uh, I, I don't know how to word it. Ribby? Yeah, it was it was tattered and just black, and it looked like it had come from the bowels of hell. Like yeah. it was very like demonic kind but of. But then looking. they just skip right over it. I think it comes back, but I'm not sure. Okay, I I don't remember a lot of it. Like I know the beats of this movie so well as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what happens. But. Yeah. So with the the previous one I was on, there was a lot going vis visually in each scene that covered like the whole. Um. The entire screen was filled with something to draw your yeah, attention. Yeah, it was kind of artistic. Mm -hmm. And this one is more of tons of stuff going on. Right. There's a lot of stuff going on. Rennie Harlan, from what I've seen of his movies, is a very visually appealing director. Like, everything, there's always something on the screen for you to watch. I haven't seen a lot of Stephen Hopkins things. He's the director of Part 5 that we're watching. Mm -hmm. uh, British director, so maybe that has something to do with it. I know that was... He took some gothic influences, which is why that hospital asylum convent looks like a castle. That's why we get the church again and it looking... I really appreciate the fact that, you know, when people portray dream worlds in movies, they, they kind of don't get it right. And I feel like this one's getting it right because it's like... Right now you're driving a truck and then all of a sudden you're at the high school and then no one's there. And then all of a sudden, you know, she sees a wormhole and all of a sudden, and it's like, that's exactly what happens. All of a sudden, you know, you're the person on the stretcher and then all of a sudden someone else is on the stretcher. That is right. perfect. That's how dreams work. Yeah. 
it's it throws you around. You never know what's coming next. I really like it. Yeah. The sequence with Dan crashing through the window and being back at the pool, and then conveniently there's just a motorcycle there with the key in it ready to be taken. It's like... We've all had that where, like, something happens and then there's just something there out of convenience for us to take or use, whatever. Yum, yum, yum. I eat that shit up. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking this all in. It seems like you're having a good time so far. It seems like this is more of, a, a, like, a gothic action type feel. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely... Freddy, at this point, is definitely just throwing out one-liners left and right. Which I'm fine with because... It's it's kind of the shtick we all like. Yeah, it definitely became commonplace. I think... I was talking about this with uh, Chuck when we recorded Freddy's Dead, not to give too much away, but like part three is where you start to see those one-liners kind of show up. Four, they get heavy, and then five is where it really starts to get heavy. And then Freddy's Dead is littered, littered with these one-liners. So that's, it kind of, in a way it kind of sucks because in some ways it takes away from that darkness that Freddie had early on, but then it was he was such a pop culture icon at one point that it's just what we came to expect. So everyone's like, yeah, it is what it is with Freddie. Yeah. So you ready to get back into this? Let's get back into it. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a minute. Show starts in six minutes. As everyone knows, rainbows usually have a treasure at the end. Let's follow this one and see if we can find the pot of gold. Brother, I suppose you've come to claim a treasure. Well, we'd like to see the gold first. Ethan, there's better than gold in here, me lad. No, no, just look here, no. Candy, refreshing soft drinks, popcorn, ice cream. Well, that's some treasure, but anyone can buy luscious treats like these at the snack bar. You don't tell me. Uh, do you suppose you could get me a job as a snack bar attendant? Show starts in five minutes. Just like that, another 15 minutes down. Lan, you want to catch us up where we're at? <laughs> Sure. I'm having a hard time with, like, keeping up with character names, so if I say what's-her-face and what's-his-face and her friend the dude... I know the character, so if I need to interject, I can tell you. Okay. So, the <laughs> the where we were at last is um, she sees what's-his-face in a fiery crash, right? Right. So she wakes up in a hospital and is told Dan had an accident and is dead. She says, Freddie did this, and she's hysterical. The doctor tells her she's pregnant... They're going to keep her overnight for observation. While she's trying to go to sleep, the door creaks open and there's a little boy named Jacob. He says he's lonely in his room and he just wants to see if she's okay. He noticed that she was sad. And then he walks away. Then she's in her room surrounded by dolls. Or Greta. is that someone else? That That's was, what I thought. That was Greta, the uh, okay. aspiring model. Okay, so Greta's in her room surrounded by dolls going through school pictures and stuff like that. Um, then she's at, uh, Alice is at school talking to her friend, Yvonne. Yvonne, they're leaving the hospital. Yeah. Oh, is that, oh, okay. Yeah. See, I, I get confused by the locations. 
Yeah, they were leaving the hospital and they were discussing uh, the little boy. Yeah, and she says, well, there is no children's ward at the hospital, so that doesn't make sense. And then she's with her friends uh, and explains the story about Amanda. Freddie's mother. Yeah, and then she, she goes into details that I literally don't care about at all, if you want to fill that part in. Story of Amanda Kruger, she was raped by a hundred maniacs in the asylum that was ran by what she called a religious order, basically a Catholic church-run asylum. Then she gave birth to Freddie, who killed the children of Elm Street. The parents got mad because he was released on a technicality, burned him alive. He's taking revenge. Okay, and then her friends tell her that she's just stressed out because of her parents and the baby, Mm -hmm. but they swear that they're there for her. Then she's at home in the kitchen crying, and the dad's putting away the groceries, and they talk about her becoming a mom. He says, don't make a habit of it. (laughs) She's like, okay. Then Greta's at a fancy dinner party, and mother... Frickin' frick of frickin' nothing. Uh, sorry, uh, I got distracted. So Greta's <laughs> at a fancy dinner party, and the mom is 100% dismissive of Dan's death, and goes on and on about just fucking garbage. This woman is garbage. Yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden, Freddy is a chef now, and he's feeding Greta in kind of like a high chair type thing, and he says, Bon appetit, bitch! And... Is it the mom that says, we want nothing but the best for Greta? Yes. Yeah, and then, so he's feeding her, and her face gets super fat, and then he hugs her, and she freaks out at the table. Well, Alice is looking in the fridge, everything is getting moldy, and big face Greta shows up and scares Alice, but then the fridge is normal again. And then Alice and Yvonne go to see Mark at his work at a warehouse, I guess? Yes. And she keeps warning her friends about what's happening. Yvonne is very dismissive. She says, I don't want to talk about this. Get back to reality. Whatever. And Mark puts her in check, saying, uh, people are getting murdered. I want to know more. Right. And he yells at her and then eventually apologizes. He's like, look, it's not your fault. I'm stressed out. My friends are dying. Sorry. Well, then she goes to work. Alice and Mark go into a different room of the warehouse, I guess. Yeah. And you can see his sketches up uh, all over the walls, which I think is super cool. Because clearly he's talented. He's proud of his work. And, you right. know, I, I like, as someone who likes art, I, yeah. I appreciate His comic that. book creation is plastered everywhere. He's very proud of his work. Yeah. Um, there's a TV going and they're talking more about Kruger. Yeah. That's basically where we're at right now. Uh, you did leave out one little detail. Freddie pulls the fridge shut. Oh, see, the thing is, I'm typing notes on my phone. Right, so you can miss that little detail. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you knew Freddie had a hand in the fridge shutting. Maybe. And then there's a note hung, stuck with a magnet on the front that just says, Die, bitch. <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple of things. Buy milk, buy eggs, die, die bitch. There was a couple of things that really bugged me about this last part that we just watched. One is when her friend Yvonne goes, well, Alice is asking, what's wrong with me in the hospital? And her friend Yvonne goes, nothing's wrong with you. You're just a little pregnant. Bitch, nobody can be just a little pregnant. That's not a thing. 
It's it's not a thing. I, I get where you're coming from because a lot of people will feel the exact same way. I guess I can kind of give the flip side of that. When you're newly pregnant, the pregnancy isn't always viable. Right. And so you're not even allowed to tell people at that time. And so I think that's what she means by you're, you're a little pregnant. Like, sorry to tell you this, but you got a tiny little Freddy inside you. Sorry. Yeah, that, that could very well be. It could also be just the way Yvonne handles things. Like, yeah, you're just a little pregnant. Yeah, we we don't really like how she handles conversations. Yeah. Then the fact they're all sitting there. Now, these three friends of hers, they go to the same high school as her and Dan. They have no fucking clue about what happened the year before, that the kids were getting killed by Freddy, that she fought Freddy. <laughs> Nothing. They are completely fucking clueless. And she's like, here's the story of Freddy. And they're all like, oh, come on, really? Well, we're your friends and we're going to help you. They're, they're going to have to go through us. And she's like, that's what I'm afraid of. She's like, you three idiots don't understand. Mark's finally coming around. Greta didn't get a chance to because she got choked out by Freddy way before, you know, he took the bitch out quick. <laughs> Yvonne is just like, no, sorry, I got work. I don't believe this dream bullshit. It's like, you live on Elm Street in Springwood. You should know something about this. But they're just like, never heard of Freddy Krueger. Like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. This series only started five years before we're at this point. You, <laughs> it's, it's something that always bugs me. About this. I'm like, you guys should at least know something. Like, hey, wait, I remember hearing something about that. Wasn't it all made up, though? Something, or like, just give them something like, hey, we know you went through a lot last year with this, but there's no way it could be coming back. Maybe it's just from all the stress or whatever. Some, instead, they just act like they have no idea. Yeah. So it's little things like that that bother me, but ultimately it's it's just one minor thing. Well, but it's consistent throughout, so I understand what you're saying completely. Yeah. Just a little something, a glimmer of something. Yeah. You know, this movie doesn't take place that long in the that far into the future where it wasn't. It's not like in Freddy versus Jason, which we're gonna get to, but they talk about the parents and the adults of the town have just stopped referencing Freddy at all to keep anyone from mentioning his name. You don't say it. Don't speak of him. We don't say it. We don't invoke him. Nothing happens. It almost reminds me of It. Uh -huh. All the adults are like, we don't know what you're talking about. We're going to pretend this didn't happen. Right. The difference is, It was very much controlling the adults, whereas this one, the adults were like, we don't know what happened. And the back of their minds are like, we know we just don't want you to bring that fucker around because we can't stop it. It's like a fucking demonic plague. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to get back to it? I'm ready to get back to it. See some more dream killing? Yeah. All right. We'll be back after this. Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of Taste Thrill Treats, all tip-top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There are soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. 
So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. We're back after another 15 minutes. So, Leanne, you care to let us know what's happening now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, I guess the, the where we left off was that um, her and Mark are talking in his workplace, and they talk more about Kruger. Right. So then she sees his sketch of the Freddy house, because I guess she can't find Mark. Right, he fell asleep. Yeah, and she draws herself in as a stick figure with a red marker. She slowly goes upstairs and hears Mark calling for help. She sees a hole in the floor, another one of those red wormhole things that we're finding out is like like a womb, Yeah, essentially. And then she pulls him out and the hole seals up. He sees blood on his hands and then falls back into the floor? He, I think because he fainted at the sight of blood, it like pulled him out of the dream world or something. Okay, that makes sense. So then there's Jacob again. He's standing there. And he's saying that he's been having dreams and is waiting for someone. He's holding like this really demented teddy bear thing, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate because I also have a demented teddy bear. And um, he's upset that she doesn't want to be a mom and explains like he's her baby or whatever. Right. So she runs back up some stairs, sees Mark and explains about Jacob. Then she goes to talk to Yvonne at the hospital because apparently she's a candy striper and I missed that. (laughs) (laughs) She keeps talking about Freddie and the baby. Well, she gets an ultrasound with apparently a paddle from one of those defibrillator things that you pointed out. You're like, wait a minute. (laughs) It was the first time I ever really noticed in that scene. I had never paid attention. I'm like, okay, ultrasound. Cool. They're going to find out that I was like, wait a second. This time watching it with a little more of an analytical eye. Yeah, you were like, okay, now, Leanne, from the of, of a woman's view, is that a paddle? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, but that's not how they do ultrasounds. Yeah, they just laid it on her stomach. They weren't moving anything around, and no, I've had a couple ultrasounds, you know, within the last nine to ten months, and <laughs> it's not how they work. I thought maybe things were different in the eighties, so I looked it up, and all of the machines didn't have a paddle like that. So yeah, so yeah. Hmm whatever it's fine (laughs) so they do an ultrasound and the screen glitches and she becomes like a part of the ultrasound via this blue like light over her body Mm -hmm. and she essentially enters the womb and she sees a totally normal baby but then freddie's face is right in the side of the womb and um she screams to the doctors what's he doing to my baby he's taking their souls and making it like him and her friend was like, you really need to get some rest. And then the doctor makes a phone call. We don't know what that phone call is until later. So then she and Yvonne get home and she explains more. Yvonne is continuously dismissive. And I noticed that in the background in the bedroom, there's a mm-hmm. plant wearing pants. Huh. I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's a plant wearing pants. So, yeah. Um, Mark shows up and he's got these newspaper clippings. Yvonne gets upset and bolts. And Mark actually suggests abortion. Well, Alice is like, 
uh, no, he's a part of me. I want to keep him. He's a part of me and Dan. I want to keep him. And then her dad calls to her downstairs. She goes downstairs and there's company. It's a couple. Well, they are the Jordans, the parents of Dan, and they want to adopt her baby. They say that she can't take care of it because Dr. Moore called and said that she was hysterical, which what doctor has a right to call like the baby daddy's parents to say that she's hysterical? What the fuck? Yeah, there's there's a trivia that says he blatantly broke his Hippocratic oath. Absolutely. Calling someone that was not a direct family member. Oh, I was so mad when I saw that. But she was like, um, absolutely no, absolutely not. They say, well, guess what? We're going to take you to court because we have a right to it. Which, no, they fucking don't. Nope. So, um, her and Mark bolt and go back to his place of work to talk more. He explains that What's-Her-Face's grave is actually empty. Amanda Kruger. Yeah. And he pulls out this book called Christian Mythology, which I love. (laughs) I love it because that's what Christianity is. Anyway, Uh um, he, uh, yeah, so he explains a lot more. And then he says that, um, well, she says she wants to go find her. And she suggests that they go, that she go to sleep while he watches her. Right. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. It's it's never a good plan to have somebody watch over you because they never stay awake in these movies. <laughs> never. But yeah, Mark has basically been doing all sorts of research on Amanda Kruger, finding out she killed herself in the tower, but there were, they never buried the body. She's has a memorial stone in an empty plot. I love that he's so supportive of his friend. Yeah, like, he's the only one. Like, Greta was like, hey, we're here for you, and she didn't get a chance to be any more supportive. She probably would have had she not, you know, been fed to death. (laughs) But Mark is, like, not trying to gaslight her. He's like, okay, there's some shit happening. I want to find out more. Yvonne is, she cares about Alice, but not to the point where she's willing to believe her. She doesn't want to believe the white people's bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> because she is a person of color. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's not me generalizing. It's just like, look, I don't want to get caught up in some bullshit where I might die. So <laughs> stop talking crazy. Get some fucking sleep. Yeah. Like, well, sleep kills. Yeah. <laughs> in this universe, sleep kills. But I like that Mark went and found out that Amanda Kruger is a tormented soul. Her soul can't rest until she's released from the place of torment and all this stuff. Basically, another callback to, like, the old classic monster movies where some form of faith-based thing comes into play and defeats the monster. I mean, it's very heavy in all, like, the vampire movies and that. There's good and evil. Good usually triumphs over evil. So it's it's hearkening back. And so people be like, oh, well, it's just an 80s slasher. I'm like, there's a little more to it when you really look at it. The balance of good and evil, the fight, the Christian mythology. Freddy is this demonic entity, basically from hell in a sense. They're trying to use Christian mythology to figure out how to defeat him with the power of good, releasing a tormented soul of Amanda Cruz. So there's more to it. I always, now that I see it, I'm like, it's very much that classic movie monster trope of good will triumph over evil. Triumph over evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. (laughs) 
You ready to continue on this journey? Yes. All right, let's do it. It's intermission, it's intermission. It's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade, too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The popcorn's popping and it's ready to go. You know all the great food is stealing the show. Get up out your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack bar. Snack bar. Once more, 15 more minutes have been watched. The movie's rolling right along, so man, you've been you've been taking those, you've been taking us through this journey of you rewatching this, and it's like a first time watch. Care to continue <laughs> on with what you're doing? I love listening to it. Oh, thank you. I try really hard. I, I work really hard on my notes. It shows. So where we last left off is she was going to sleep while Mark watches, which, as we know, is always a good thing. Yes. Um, so it goes to Yvonne in the locker room. She's clearly upset. She gets into a hot tub, and she kind of sinks down into it. We then see Alice in her dream searching for Amanda, right? She goes up some rickety stairs to the brick wall, and Yvonne... Because it's at this time, it's cutting back and forth. Right. So Yvonne hears Freddy's blades and gets out of the hot tub. She decides it's a smart idea to climb the diving board, and it kind of tears open and becomes like this large claw, her hand. Yeah, reminiscent of Freddy's razor glove, sort of. Yeah, and she winds up falling. Cue organ music and screams and Freddy laughing. And she's now in a boiler? Is it like a boiler in the asylum? Yeah, it looks like it's a hybrid of like the boiler room and the asylum. Yeah. So he says, hey, Alice, let's rock and roll. Uh, Alice slides down some chains into the boiler, I guess. Freddy appears from the water. Where are you going? Piglet, the party's just getting started. Do you like my Freddy impression? I do like your Freddy impression. <laughs> it's dead on. <laughs> Uh, so he then pulls Yvonne up by her hair. They escape out the doorway and then he closes the door. And I guess he's afraid of Amanda? Yeah, it's, it just started in this one where he has a fear of Amanda for some reason. We're not entirely certain why. Well, Yvonne admits that Alice isn't crazy. Finally. Mark is going through his comic books and flips through Night from, Nightmare from Hell. Casey mm -hmm. Comics. Kruger Comics. Yep. He's then pulled into the comic book where it's like an industrial type background. It's like a black and white version of where the, where he was at before. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. But the things are kind of like at odd angles and right. definitely dream world. Freddy chases him. Cue 80s action music. Freddy rides a skateboard because it has to be relevant to teenagers, right? Well, I think because Mark was a skateboarder, too. Well, I, uh, so. like I said, it has to be relevant to the teenagers, right? That's right. He's got to right. be, be hip with the kids. Exactly. Uh, the background eventually, like, collapses or something, and blood drips onto Mark's head. And he sees Greta and Freddy. Is she delicious or am I crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Mark becomes a character... Uh, and says, time to die, you scar-faced limp dick. <laughs> yeah, it becomes his comic book creation, the Phantom Prowler. Yeah, the Phantom Prowler. That's that's great. Uh, Freddy also kind of like bulks up too. He becomes Super Freddy. Yes, he does. He's throwing lots of one-liners. Mark then becomes a drawing, and Freddy uses his blaze to like slice him up into pieces. And then Alice wakes up and sees that the place is a mess. Well, all of a sudden, the cops show up to Mark's work because, you know, he's dead. She's now hysterical. Yvonne shows up and Alice explains that he fell asleep. Kruger got him. And they have to figure out how to stop him. Gotta find Amanda. Well, the dad insists that she goes home. And she tells Yvonne, go find Amanda. So Yvonne goes to the asylum with a flashlight, as one does. Yeah. Alice winds up falling asleep and, of course, winds up in the asylum. She calls out to Freddy. Yvonne goes up the rickety stairs with the, the brick wall. Alice and Yvonne are now overlapping. One is in real life. One is having a dream. And Yvonne shines the light into the hole in the brick wall and Freddy is, like, right there. And... He starts searching and finds Alice. We hear, like, all the the asylum maniacs in the mm-hmm. background. And Alice winds up getting him with the evil pram. Mm-hmm. The yeah. pram from hell. Which, you were right, it does come back. Yeah, I wasn't sure until that scene happened. I was like, I think it comes back, and it did. Yeah, so right now, he's currently being grabbed by all of the asylum maniac people. Right. That's where we're at. I love that recap. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she was taunting Freddy, saying, You coward motherfucker! I was like, Jesus. <laughs> it's, a, it's a far... It's still an evolution of the character that was so shy and timid in part four. I also like the evolution of the dad, who was just a drunk asshole in part four. And in this one, he's more compassionate. He's sober. He's more of a dad. Yeah. He's sober, so he's, like, take, appreciating what's happening. And there is one scene where... It was a scene where she was crying and he came back from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I hope you have a boy. It'd be nice to hear a boy playing around the house again. Mm-hmm. And it's the one moment where you're like, oh, he really misses his son. Despite how he treated him like shit, you're like, oh, he really misses Rick, that little meatball. Yeah, and then when um, the Jordans are saying, you know, we're going to take your baby, he actually stands next to Alice. Like, absolutely not. He defended her. He said, you're going to come into my house and talk about... No, get out. Yep. Basically, like, fuck you. This is my daughter. She's going to have the baby. Fuck off. Yep, he's getting redeemed. Yeah. So I got a couple of little trivia things I want to throw at you. Oh, yeah. 
So the actress playing Yvonne, mm-hmm. that uh, diving board scene, mm-hmm. she was very ill with food poisoning during that entire filming. Oh, no. Yeah. That entire sequence when they were filming, she was deathly ill with food poisoning. How did... Oh, my God. I've never had food poisoning, but I, apparently it comes out both ends and violently. Yeah. And yeah. she's wearing a bathing suit. Yeah, so that couldn't have been fun. <laughs> Now, the other one, it's it's a little sad piece of trivia, but the... You know I love sad. The child actor who's playing Jacob. Yes, yes. His father actually passed away while they were filming this movie. Oh. Yeah, so he kind of... Everyone on the cast and crew kind of, like, helped them to, like, get through it. Like, he said it was sort of cathartic to be there working because it didn't really, like, occupy his mind that his dad was gone. Oh, that's like he had his time to grieve afterward, but everybody around, he said, everybody was really supportive and it was just, he goes, it was a tremendous work environment for me to be there. I really think it helped me get through it. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yum, yum. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me want to (laughs) cry. Yeah. So just little, little tiny things here and there. That's cool. Yeah. And also, this is the last movie in the franchise until Freddy vs. Jason to show the jump roping girls. Okay. Yeah. I actually didn't know that until I rewatched Freddy's Dead recently, and I was like, oh yeah, they aren't in that movie. Hmm. Not that that gives anything away. The No. They're not really an important plot point in any of the films. No, they're just kind of a visual and audio staple. That's yeah. it. Basically like, oh... If you see them, if you hear them, you know shit's going to go down. Yeah, something's happening. Mm-hmm. They're like the the harbinger yeah. of Freddy. Hmm. Like Crazy Ralph was in the first couple of Friday the 13th. Same thing. So, all right, so we don't have much time left on this. You want to finish it out and we'll come back and yeah. wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All righty. Just like that, we have finished A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child. Care to let us know how it ended, Leanne? Uh, okay, the, the ending is very chaotic, and I had a very <laughs> hard time keeping up with what the fuck is going on. So essentially, okay, we ended with Freddy being grabbed by the asylum lunatics or whatever. Right. Um, his arm gets torn off and turns into spiders. Which freaks Alice out. She's like stomps on him. Then they're gone, and we hear a child laughing, and Freddie playing with the child. Mm-hmm. It's Jacob. Jacob takes Freddie's hand, and apparently, it. The dream turns into like the stairs from Labyrinth, where yeah. they're all different directions. Yeah, that's basically what somebody said, is it basically becomes a scene from Labyrinth. Yeah, which I appreciate, because Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies. Right. Um, I thought it was funny that Freddy's arm was dangling. It was his new look. Yeah. 
And so, of course, he's trying to get Jacob. Well, Dan shows up, also calling to Jacob, but it's really Freddy. Mm-hmm. And Alice grabs and holds Jacob. There's a better view of the labyrinth stairs and the intricate columns, and I really appreciate it. Jacob explains to Alice how he how Kruger keeps finding her. And uh, she calls out to Kruger again. She t- then turns kind of into Kruger and then splits, and then Kruger splits from her. Right, because essentially Jacob told her Freddy was a part of her now because of how he invaded through Jacob. Yeah. So they were like two, one in the same. Yeah, and then they wrestle for a bit, of course. Yvonne falls into part of the cathedral and, like, sees a nun. Well, the nun is a corpse and turns into Amanda and says, thank you, and then disappears. Well, then Amanda reappears and then calls to Jacob saying to help Alice. So Jacob then turns, like, kind of scary. Like mm-hmm. Freddie, Freddy. yeah, yeah, asking you know him to teach him, and Amanda kind of gives him a little pep talk, and then Jacob is like, "School's out, Kruger," and then tongue fucks Kruger's torso. <laughs> what the? Well, I don't know what the fuck. What the fuck happened? I don't understand. That's a way of putting it, yeah. It's like, it's like a, I don't know how to describe what comes out of his mouth. I think what they were going for was it was him using the souls that Freddy was feeding him of Alice's dead friends. But the souls kind of look like a huge arm slash tongue. Yeah, they hit him and then there was nothing there and then you can see three heads like shoot out the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like pull out from his back and then Amanda reaches for a cuckooing baby, which the fact that things continuously like change keeps fucking me the fuck up. (laughs) So then, okay, Amanda reaches for this cuckooing baby that turns into Kruger and then she takes him within herself. And then Alice also takes a baby and takes it within herself. And then Freddie kills Amanda by, like, reaching through her torso. Yeah, so what happens is the three the three heads that shot out of Kruger's back are essentially Dan, Greta, and Mark. Right. So they're, like, pulling Freddie somewhere. What they did was they pulled the baby Freddie out of... The adult Freddy. <laughs> so when Amanda reached out for the baby, she was reaching for creepy baby Freddy. Right, okay. And the cute baby was Jacob. Jacob reverted back to an infant from a child. Because that I, makes sense. Yeah, of course. So It's fine. You know what? Normally, I would not be okay with this much nonsense, but the mm-hmm. fact that it's a dream world, it's fine. Okay. Um. Yeah, so... Uh, Freddie kills Amanda, and then we go to the end. Yvonne and Alice are with the baby, uh, Jacob Daniel. Jacob Daniel. Jacob Daniel, and they're at a playground. Uh, Dad is happy. They coo with the baby. They have lunch, and then we see the jump rope girls 
seeing the Freddy song. The end. Yeah. Roll credits. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, this... Of the original five movies that were released before Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, this was the low point. Really? Yes. Interesting. I mean, it's... I still had fun. It still made money at the box office, but this is genuinely the one that nobody really cares for. Oh. Yeah. Well, what does that say about me if I like it? It says nothing because there are actually a lot of people who grew up watching this one. And see, I don't... actually like it. I don't really remember this one, so I don't think I saw it. I've seen this one numerous times. I like it fine enough. It's not one of my favorites in the series. I can definitely see why so many would say it's a low point. But at the end of the day, it's it's hilarious Freddy one-liners, some interesting kills. Like, I don't mind the comic book kill. I know people who hate Super Freddy. I, I don't care for Super Freddy, but I don't outright hate it. You know what? I love it. It made sense for him to, if the kid... Mark is going to turn into his comic book superhero that he created, why wouldn't Freddy turn into a comic book supervillain? I mean, if people are going to try to put logic in movies that are based in a dream world, I think that's kind of silly. Right. I think these are the type of movies where you need to, like in dreams, just go with it. Go with it. Have fun. There's going to be the gore. There's going to be the scary theme. Mm -hmm. There's going to be the funny stuff. Just go with it. Have fun. This, I really like this one. Okay. I really like it. So you would give it, you would give it a recommend to somebody. Say somebody hasn't watched it or say they, they watched it once and had bad feelings. Do you recommend they go back and watch it again? Um, I would, but only if they listen to this episode of our show. Okay. So that maybe they can see a different view. There's a caveat. Got it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you can't just watch a movie and expect to like it when you didn't like it before. That's not really going to work. But maybe you listen to me and go, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. Then, yeah, I recommend you give it another shot. Yeah, look for the plant with pants. I mean, seriously, it it was like this plant that was relatively high off the ground, and then I don't know what was holding the plant up, but there was just a pair of jeans. So it's plant pants. Hey, it was 1989, so who knows what kind of weird-ass shit. There was weird shit in the 80s in people's houses, man. But you know what? Like I've mentioned in our previous episodes... I love seeing the bedrooms. You do. You really do love 80s bedrooms. I really do. <laughs> then we'll say Alice's bedroom in this kind of didn't look like a teenager's bedroom. It looked like a middle-aged woman's bedroom. Um, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that because in the previous one we watched, there, there, one of the girls' rooms looked like that of a middle-aged woman because it was, like, wispy and kind of a romantic vibe. Okay. And I'm like, that's not a normal teenager's bedroom. This one, like, her bedroom is one I would have. That's okay. probably how I would have. Okay. I mean, not the plant pants, but I wasn't that creative. <laughs> 
Well, that could just be me seeing it a different way from a male perspective, thinking that's not how a teenage girl's room would look, but... I didn't see too many teenage girls' rooms when I was a teenage boy, so... Yeah, I think this movie is good for... If, you know, if you partake in, like, drugs or if you drink or something like that, this would be good to watch because there's so much bizarre shit going on where you're like, what the fuck? Did he just tongue-fuck Freddy's torso? Yeah, yeah, there's... (laughs) This one has a lot of people calling out, like, a lot of plot holes, and I get it. At the same time, I'm like, it was the fifth installment. They were kind of rushed to get this movie out. They didn't have a lot of time. They didn't have a whole lot of money. And even though it, I believe it came in third at the box office, so it made it made its money. It was It was panned really hard. Critics and fans just did not care for this one. Well, they can suck my balls and lick my ass because I loved it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people now who actually genuinely like the film, but... I mean, I really like the comic book aspect. I like the, that mm-hmm. the kid was, a you know, an artist. I, I liked it. And that character was actually based on the director, Stephen Hopkins, who was a big comic book guy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, just a, another little touch there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm... I'm going to be with you. I do like this one, and I'm going to recommend people check it out. If you watch this episode, get a different perspective when you go into it. If you listen to this episode? Yeah. You said watch it. Oh, listen. Yeah. (laughs) You're confused because you're not Uh, on video. (laughs) Yeah, I'm confused. I'm not streaming right now. We're just recording. (laughs) So we both recommend this. Yeah. Thanks for having me watch it. Of course. Of course. I really like it. I want to own it. <laughs> Honestly, we... I would have to say, I'm going to say this one's my favorite. Okay. But then All again, right. I've got weird taste and not everybody agrees with my hey. um, opinions. So Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's allowed to like what they like. And we do own the entire series down there. There is a box set. We own the entire series. Nice. So at any point, if you want to pop in the Blu-ray... You I can. probably will. And it's also available digitally in Voodoo, like how we watched it tonight. Yes. Yeah. The entire series is there. Oh, I'm so excited. All this right. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us your insight. <laughs> I I really like this, and I wish we would have done it for part four <laughs> this way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I want to do this going forward a few more times when we do our inter- interstellar interstitials. Yeah. Okay. If I'm it's down. something where you're like, hey, I have no idea about this i want to get your perspective and your notes because it's so much more interesting to to watch it through your eyes essentially as opposed to me just reliving it having seen it like 90 times yeah i'm glad i could be entertaining very entertaining thank you so with that said i want to put the call out right now so you guys, we have the Gmail account, skeweruniversepodcast.gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You'll get the links at the end here. But I want you guys to start sending in your experiences with the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Good, bad, funny, crazy. You know, if the standee at the video store freaks you out, send that stuff in. Because my plan is if we get enough of those... Uh, we'll read them, or if they're audio clips that you guys send into the to the voice 
not the voicemail, the email. We don't have voicemail. Don't try calling us. If you send in audio feedback to the email, we'll include it in the show. We'll do a whole thing at the end of Freddy vs. Jason when we get to that point. So you guys can kind of be included with everything here. So send us your feedback. Send us your feelings, your experiences with this. We want to know what haunted your nightmares. (laughs) That was a good laugh. That was a good one. That was a good one. I felt left out. (laughs) So with that, keep your eyes peeled. Because after this episode... We're going to hit you again with Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. You can listen to that. Me and Chuck sat down. We had a good conversation on that. Remember, weekly Saturdays, you can go over to Tales from the Podcast. I'm co-hosting on there over now. Over there now. Let me get my tongue straight here. So, Saturdays, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Hit us up there. Remember to jump into the live chat there. As far as Skewage Universe, hit us up on the socials, email us. If you want to start a podcast, we have a Podbean affiliate link in the show notes. You use that link, you get a month of free podcast hosting with a paid unlimited plan. It'll help you out, it'll help us out. Get that going. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You can head over there to support the show, get transmissions episodes. I've been working hard on putting some of those out. They're all available over there. Transmissions. They're a lot of fun to do. There's a lot of wrestling, a lot of comic book movies, you know, stuff like that. And that being said, Leanne, do you have anything you want to say before we close out here? I love you, and I will see you in your dreams. Keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Connect with us on social media. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast or join the group facebook.com slash group slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at skeweredu or Instagram at skewered underscore universe underscore podcast. Find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or podbean.com. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash podcast to get special episodes and commentary tracks exclusive to members. So let's blow this pop stand!